Well, welcome to the Inside Redemption Podcast. My name is Luke Simmons. I'm part of the executive team of Redemption Church and the lead pastor at Redemption Church Gateway. And this is a podcast where we're trying to take you behind the scenes of life in Redemption Church. And this particular episode is one I've been looking forward to for a while because it's featuring a couple of our lead pastors that uh, lead and serve outside of the Valley of the Sun. So we have Anthony G. from Redemption Flagstaff. Hey, Anthony. Hey, how's it going? Great, man. Good to see you. And we have David Goffney. Hello. From Redemption Tucson. How are you, Dave? Great. Yep. This is awesome. Gosh, it's so cool to uh, have you guys here and uh, to be able to talk about your life and ministry and, uh, you know, you're like longtime listeners, first-time callers. So That's it's right. Great to, uh, <laughs> of course. Great to have you with us. So what we're trying to do, like I said, is just kind of give people a little bit of a peek of like what life looks and feels like in Redemption. And um, since eight of the 10 congregations are in the Valley, uh, I think you guys will provide some eye-opening experiences for some of the folks that are in the Valley, uh, as well as just be able to kind of represent your folks up North and up South. And it's kind of fun. So let's start with um, just kind of your personal sort of stories where'd you grow up how did you meet christ that sort of thing so dave what about you where did where did you grow up um i grew up in uh el cajon san diego kind of east county san diego had a stint for about five years in arkansas okay and then moved out a stint yes that sounds like an interesting experience yeah it was yeah culture shock but uh definitely a a good a good chunk of my upbringing was there and then uh, moved out to Arizona halfway through high school. Okay. So California, Arkansas, back to California, into yeah. Arizona. Yep. And kind of in Arizona mostly ever since. I mean, you've had a few more stints back in California, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, my wife and I uh, served with a college ministry crew for 10 years. So okay. we went from uh, from Tucson to California for about 10 years, and then we moved back in 2012. Yeah. So, um, what was kind of the spiritual temperature of your home growing up? Well, uh, cold. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, definitely not a, uh, even that, as I say, that first it was not, uh, I was born into very much a kind of chaotic, tumultuous home. My dad left when I was about five mm, months old. Okay. Um, I should say, I don't know where I would say this, so... I stutter, and they say that, like, the phone is the worst for everyone. Uh-huh. Um, honestly, for me, like, preaching um, is n- much less difficult than, like, sure. calling one stranger. I don't know where radio would fit, but I think it's close <laughs> close to phone. So FYI out there. Um, yeah, well, might, I love how yeah. you often start your sermons. I mm-hmm. just think it's it's humble and it's disarming and it's really winsome, you know, where you'll often say, hey, I, I have a stutter. And so if, if you hear that, it's not the microphone cutting out, yeah. you know, and you just kind of have some fun with it. And um, I think uh, I think that'd be something kind of even interesting to, to talk about. So we'll come yeah. back to that. Okay. But, yeah. uh, so, so growing up, you're yeah. one of how many brothers? Uh, f- f- four boys. Four boys. So, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm the boom baby. Okay. Of f- four, and so yeah. So my dad left right right after I was born, and um, so the first kind of five years of my life, I um, I think is where I pick up around maybe around age five or so. I remember my second oldest brother had started to get involved with dr- drug and alcohol use and things like that. Mm. He actually sold drugs out of our house, which I actually didn't learn until a 
couple of year, years ago. Oh, wow. But our house did get like bro- broken into a lot. Mm. Um, that same brother actually got exposed to a, a small Pentecostal church that met in the high school that he had just gotten kicked out of. And so oh, he wow. was sort of the first one to expose or kind of bring our family mm. um, into uh, into the into kind of church involvement. Um, my mom, you know, if you know some about Pentecostal the- theology and stuff, there was lots of highs and low- lows kind of on okay. again, off again. Sure. Uh, throughout probably most of my, my whole life. But I, at a very young age, um, around age five, uh, I, I overheard two um, adults talking about the gospel. Hmm. And just the Lord, uh, you know, C.S. Lewis calls him the hound of heaven. Yeah. And uh, I joke, I don't you know, I was kind of a practical Calvinist before I even knew <laughs> that term, though I was in a Pentecostal oh. context, which is very much not Reformed. I, I just... God just pursued me, and I I, yeah. I didn't know any other way. Mm. Um, at yeah, so I kind of trusted him. I heard in very simple terms, mm. God is strong and powerful, and you trust in Him, and you can kind of r- r- rest secure no matter what else is going on. So again, yeah. I had a very chaotic environment, and um, yeah, the this the spirit really was just protective. Yeah. My whole, honestly, my whole, whole life. Yeah. When I know that, you know, a lot of the chaos in different parts of your family and your, you know, all that stuff didn't totally go away after the Lord kind of came into the family. But, but it does seem like the Lord has been a kind of constant presence for you and for other parts of your family as well. Mm -hmm. Did you, um, I mean, you, so you kind of lacked some of the infrastructure. I mean, a lot of, a lot of five-year-old kids that would kind of hear the gospel and have an experience of, you know, trusting in Jesus, typically there'd be a little more infrastructure to kind of help support and nourish and strengthen that faith. You probably lacked a little bit of that, maybe yeah. had some of it, but, um, what was that, what was that process of growth for you as a, as a young believer? Yeah. It, it um, we were actually given like a small book of like children's prayers mm. that, uh, again, looking back, I don't know the content <laughs> very well at all, but I just remember that was kind of the main thing um, I that we would do. My older brother, just older than me, and and I, we would sometimes read those. And if he didn't, and I, I, you know, I did, and mm. um, and then I would just kind of go with with friends to wherever they'd go. I went to okay. a Nazarene youth group here, and then a you know Baptist group there. Just kind of would join in with anyone. Um, in s- sixth grade. A church, another Pentecostal church, was the first time I heard a challenge to spend time in God's word, and so okay. I read a proverb a day okay. uh, for a month. I just heard that, and wow. to this day, love the proverbs mm. so much. And that was so. Just things like that. Again, I look at it as like I did like not much. God yeah. just clearly put you know people in my path yeah. to help. That's great. So, Anthony, what about you? What uh, where did you grow up? Yeah, I've uh, lived in Arizona my whole life, actually. So a native. I, I'm a native Arizonan. Wow. I love Arizona. Um, yeah, I grew up in Arizona. I grew up in East Phoenix, Arcadia area, although I have a chip on my shoulder about it because it was a little different growing up for me. <laughs> um, now it's very nice. Um, it was nice back then, too, but now it's very nice. Grew up in uh, that area. Okay. Went to ASU. Where'd you go to high school? I went to Camelback High School. Okay. So that's uh, I have a lot so of Camelback High too. School, yeah. ASU. Yeah, you're like... Yeah. Blue blood. Yeah, of course. A couple of uh, community college stints in there too. And then, uh, 
all kinds of stints here. We had yeah. stints in Arkansas, stints yeah, right. in community college. Yeah, yeah. I wonder. I, I wonder how similar those are. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I uh, grew up in Arizona. I uh, uh, moved to Flagstaff to help the church plant get started up there, and yeah, that's that's my Arizona history at least. Yeah. W- what about kind of the spiritual temperature right. of your childhood? Yeah, my. Uh, my parents, they both got saved at different times in my childhood. So huh. they both weren't Christians. And so, and then they got saved at different times and they went to different churches when they got saved too. So, oh, wow. Who, yeah. who got saved first? So my dad got saved first. I was probably not even three yet when my dad got saved. He kind of, he has that kind of cl- like classic testimony of a life of partying and drugs. And then all mm. of a sudden cold turkey one day because of what the Lord did and uh, and so he started going to a non-denominational Pentecostal church because that's okay. kind of what his roots were. So I grew up going to that uh, three times a week on the west side of Phoenix. Okay. And so we- Sweetwater Church of the Valley is what it was called. And uh, then uh, my uh, mom, a, a few years later, still I was still relatively young. Um, she got saved going to a Lutheran church. Just kind Did of a- she come to church with you, your dad? And uh, you yeah, and- she, she, uh, she did, but not... Not typically, so huh. not she. It would be kind of like for a special event or something like that. So she just didn't go to church. So was her conversion at all connected to kind of your, your and your, uh, the rest of your family's kind of experience of the church, or you know, I think it happened independently. Yeah, I th- I think it kind of happened independently. Huh. I think that she was kind of um, a little bit haunted in one sense of my dad's conversion because she was like on the brink probably of divorcing him because of his lifestyle and everything. And then he gets saved and then he's kind of cleaned up and starts, he's responsible and all this kind of stuff. And so I think she was kind of like, is, is God real? <laughs> Cause this is sure uh, crazy to me. So, uh, so, so she started uh, going to just a little Lutheran church in Arcadia and started attending and just kind of just started believing all of a sudden kind huh. of a thing. Yeah. And what about siblings for you? I've got uh, three siblings. So two sisters and a brother and I'm the oldest. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So you're the oldest, Dave, you're the youngest. Mm-hmm. And uh, both of you kind of growing up in, you know, sort of this mixture, you know, this sort of, you know, a variety of traditions and a variety right. of experiences. And um, yeah, it, it'd be interesting to even just kind of think about how that has impacted your ministry now. Do you think, Yeah. does that, uh, do you feel kind of like a mutt or do you feel like you've kind of found a, a more of a tradition Dave looks like a mutt. So I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I I think it does. I mean, I think um, one thing as a pastor I'm surprised about a lot is somebody will be like, well, my church always did things this way. And then they'll come to me saying, well, this church does things this way. And almost like surprised or there's kind of often, you know, especially young people that grow up in one sort of church, they pendulum swing to another sort of church. Sure. And so I think from a very young age, I had a deep, not on my own, but I, a deep appreciation of, wow, the Christian faith is practiced in a lot of ways, especially mm. what the Lutheran church was probably the polar opposite of my dad's Pentecostal church. And so kind of growing up in that sure. uh, gave me, I, I, it's never been a thing where for me where I'm like, oh, why do those, I mean, I ask why Christians do certain things, but it's never been surprising for me that yeah. traditions are different. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, uh, man, that's a great question. I I think um, I'm actually re- re- reading a book right now. I'm a bone burning in my b- bones. Yeah. Um, about you, Eugene Peterson's life, and it's just really been 
uh, I've just appreciated it so much. Just his mm. whole posture and view of the church with a capital C, yep. you know, the kind of reforms circles we'll talk about invisible and visible church. Yep. I think that just makes sense. I mean, I, I remember I went from kind of coastal church to uh, Southern Baptist church um, in part because someone actually told me like, if I had more faith, I w- wouldn't stutter. And mm. if I just kind of pressed in more and believe more, like it would be gone and the demons would like go on my tongue and yeah. things like that. And I remember like, I don't think that's right. Um, mm. And then though, I remember just seeing incongruencies, but also like, man, I don't agree with that, but these people are so generous and mm. so faithful and so kind. And then elsewhere I would see like, man, I've heard this about these folks, but I'm not experiencing that or seeing that. So yeah, I think I, I still, I hope um, carry that. But to Anthony's point, I've definitely swung like, Tarzan on the pendulum uh, from sure. one extreme to another. Yeah, it's interesting. The The church that I grew up going to, well, didn't grow up going to, but once I became a Christian in high school, I started going to, I think most people would call it a non-denominational church. They called it an interdenominational church, mm. um, which wasn't like kind of, you know, interfaith is like this all roads lead to God. It wasn't like that. It was more just saying they were trying to be explicit to go, we have people here that, you know, come from a Pentecostal background, come from a Lutheran background, Catholic, Baptist, you know, you name it. And I thought that's kind of an interesting, I mean, we've never, you know, as redemption, we've never kind of gotten into, well, are we non-denominational or interdenominational? But I, I bet there's a lot of folks that have kind of a similar experience to you guys of going like, yeah, there's a lot of different traditions kind of shaping things. And mm-hmm. as we try to just hold fast to the Bible, hopefully that's you know, that's enough. So, yeah. so Dave, you've mentioned your stutter a couple times and that's something that you've had for most of your life as long as you remember. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, th- my mom says I just came home one day and I had it and mm. it was kind of like, okay, that might go away. Might not. Um, I did some kind of speech therapy around first grade. Um, then that, so I was only gone maybe for about six months or so. And then, uh, uh, my, who became my st- Stepdad moved in and yeah. kind of life began to get more chaotic and it came back and then I've, I've had mm. it sort of ever since. I think maybe uh, it, because I think having older brothers and actually ought to mention also I have a sister as well. My, okay. my dad remarried and we're very close. Okay. Um, because my family was so supportive and I think there wasn't a lot of room to kind of be a voom of the victim or mm, yeah. <laughs> to get kind of coddled. I, I just, it didn't bother me much growing up. And I, I, I mean, man, my neighborhood, my older brothers would not hold back. I mean, my sure. brother would like impersonate me straight up, break every oh, rule man. you should. He would, he could, and he did it like now, great. You have one brother that had no arms. Yeah. Yeah. Is that's that the right. brother who would make fun of your, no, no. I speech? think there was kind of an unspoken code for us. Like, <laughs> arms, speech off limits. Yeah. I mean, just for those of you listening, Mark, uh, you know, and he, he, uh, just recently passed away, which mm-hmm. I know is a bit heavy on your heart, but, uh, I, I've, you, you've showed me, videos of of him he was an incredible musician yeah played played guitar with his feet yeah you can actually find you know videos on youtube with mm-hmm. you know tens of thousands of views of him uh, playing you know if you look up mark goffney yeah um just a remarkable guy and so there's just there's a lot of talent in your family but also a lot of adversity yeah yeah it sounds like you stuck together through it despite yeah. the one brother who bagged on you <laughs> yeah no for sure he was also like my biggest champion that same brother and yeah even as we've gotten older and we've debriefed stuff he's even shared like man i just i kind of wanted you to you know be able to 
take it and kind of work through it. Cause I'd ask him like, man, why'd you do that? Yeah. Different things. And he would kind of share, like, I just, I knew you could, you could make it, but I didn't know if you knew that. So I was wanting to help. Well, I remember when you said that ours or the letters you struggle with a lot and that in God's providence, he put you in redemption. Exactly. Yeah. What a bummer, dude. Seriously. But just along those lines, I, I, uh, I mean, I just think there's tons of people who would never want to be a pastor for a lot of reasons, but among them being that like public speaking is like everyone's biggest fear. Mm-hmm. And I would think there were a lot of people, there'd be a lot of people who would have, you know, some sort of speech challenge who would go, the last thing on earth I'm going to do is try to do public speaking. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things I just even admire about kind of your guts oh, and a sense of thanks. like, I feel like God must have called you to this because it's not probably the easiest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm curious just how you kind of have, have processed that. Like, yeah, I mean, most people would go, what do you, why would you publicly speak for a living if publicly speaking at times is challenging? Yeah. And to be clear, if people hear you preach, it, it largely goes away even while you mm. talk, but, but it pops up at different points. Yeah. Yeah. No food for sure. L's are the worst. So thankfully okay. church is not, that one's, that one's good. Um, yeah, I, that's a, Again, thanks for asking and for that encouragement. I, very um, young in different contexts, I, I just remember maybe affirmation from different folks, but also just I think the Lord really kind of impressing. Like I, I want to I wanna speak through you. I, I've given you a story of, mm-hmm. of voice, and, um, and I, and I want to use it. Uh, a primary one was in... Uh, would have been my sophomore year of, of high school was one of the first times that, uh, it was actually like a new new year's Eve youth group time. And, uh, I just, um, we were kind of praying in different groups and, and, um, in that context, I just, the Lord just put yeah heavily on my heart. Like I, I want to speak through, Mm. through you and yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah. It's definitely come with some lumps here and there, some embarrassing moments. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, we won't make you share more of those no, uh, unless you want to. So, um, Anthony, what was kind of your journey into, into being a pastor? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And even maybe a little bit of backstory of just growing up in the church too, you know, and how I became a Christian. And I think I, you know, junior, junior, high school, high school years, I, I, early high school, I began to kind of just hate church, especially junior high. Um, all the different kinds of churches that all, you got drugged to. Yeah, or? so I, I mean, I just didn't like it. And I just, yeah. I, there was a part of me, it wasn't so much I didn't believe. I kind of thought it was true, like mm. the Bible and everything. But I just, I didn't like, you know, my, my dad's church was three times uh, a week. It was 45 minutes away driving. And so we do that three times a week. And then uh, and then, yeah, going to my mom's church a lot too. Uh, and so I, I just kind of. Did kinda, they ever end up going to the same church? Not at that point. Okay. And so, uh, and so, yeah, what ends up kind of, uh, I, I, and then, you know, I'm, I'm just not doing the things that everybody's doing, you know, my sure. uh, people encouraging us to read the Bible. I'm like, eh, I don't want to, you know, and even, I didn't even like standing during worship. I was like, this, this is not for me. I like. I'm more, I'm more, more of a sitting yeah, guy. I'm more of a sitter. Uh, <laughs> you could just imagine my parents every week. Just come on, man. Like, Stand hey, up. Yeah. It's not that hard. You're, like, you got uh, those young legs. Come yeah. on. So, uh, so, you know, but I, I also kind of even, I, I saw things in myself that I felt I, I didn't understand I, in regards to sin. Like I, I realized I just kind of like hated my family for no reason. And mm. there was just these kind of aspects of me going, internally like why am i the way i am like why do i hate for no good reason why do i 
um, not love God. I think a lot of times in the nineties too, kind of hearing the Jesus loves you. And I go, I, yeah, I, but does he? And, mm. and so especially my junior high, high school, early high school, it just be kind of this process of going like, and then also at my, at my dad's church in particular, kind of going like, what's real, what's fake, what's, what's going on here. And, um, and so, uh, I, I think I would pray kind of like, okay, God, like if you love me, like show me that love. And if you're real, show me that. If you've chosen me, like show, show me that. And cause a lot of different people in my family had these different kind of encounters with God, but then I was kind of just sitting down. And so, um, eventually, uh, my dad's church started to fall apart and my parents got, they were really worried about me. Um, my, my attitude wasn't great and they knew I didn't like church and, all this stuff. So then they really, they were praying for me a lot and we, they decided to find a church together. We found a little four square church okay. uh, to go to another kind of charismatic church. And, um, I, I kind of went out of obligation, like, uh, to, to make my parents happy. Uh, but it was there that I went to a summer camp and God really got a hold of my heart. He kind of used some of this charismatic stuff that I was really skeptical about. Like a, a youth pastor came up to me and said, Hey, I, I want to pray with you, but I have a word for you too. And, and God, and the word was kind of just like all these things my heart had been wondering and, mm. and working through and, and he hadn't known me very well yet. And so I really feel like that was when God kind of regenerated my heart and showed his love to me in a way that I, I took hold of it. And so uh, so from there, I was really involved in youth group over the years when I was a kid and uh, or in high school. And, um, uh, I, you know, once or twice in high school or maybe more than that, I got a chance to, like, kind of teach because the youth pastor was gone. He asked me to or whatever. And that was kind of the first where I was like, oh, I kind of kind of like doing this. This mm. is kind of fun. And and uh, and so then I, uh, yeah, ministry-wise, I kind of senior year of high school, a, a girl I was kind of in my mind, seriously dating for a while. She dumped me. And so, uh, I think my plan at that point was, I was just going to follow her wherever. And then when she dumped me, I was like, you know, I actually want to go into ministry. Like I want to, mm. um, especially at the time become a youth pastor. So, uh, I told my youth pastor that and start, he kind of started discipling me really intentionally. And, and then, yeah, just, I was really involved in the life of that local church doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, there was a, uh, a Spanish uh, congregation, a, a Hispanic congregation where the service was all in Spanish there. They wanted um, a Sunday school taught in English. Okay. So they, around the time I was freshman year in college, they asked me to teach uh, teach that. So that was really fun. So your first kind of real leadership position was as the English-speaking guy at the Spanish-speaking church. Right, yes, oh, the token cool. gringo. So yeah. Uh, And wow. so, yeah, I was there. And uh, so, yeah, that was just kind of every Sunday thing, teaching through different um, whatever. Uh, it was like basically I could do whatever I wanted. So, yeah. uh, so I did that. And then uh, th through that whole process, yeah, just kind of growing and going, hey, I want to pursue ministry. And what does that mean for me, though? And then even in the midst of that, kind of going, getting really interested in church planning. And, yeah. Um, and so then you got to kind of be part of a right. church plant with right. Redemption Flag stuff. So what, what year did Redemption Flag begin? Uh, 2012. 2012. Yeah. So Redemption merged in 2010. Right. And then I think West Mesa might have been birthed soon after that. And right. then were you guys next, perhaps? One of the next, yeah. One of the one next of those, ones. Yeah. And so um, you went with Vince Garvey. He was the church planter, and you were kind of – what was your role in the initial yeah, church my plant? First, uh, the first role I had was I was just a church planning intern. So I was just okay. an intern, and my commitment was originally just to come up for a year. 
because I was kind of in this place of like, I'm not sure what's next for me type of thing. And so almost 10 years later, here I am. Yeah. And so you've been serving as the lead pastor at Redemption Flag stuff for most of this year, right? So you're kind of newer into the role. And um, we're really thankful for just the the leadership you've provided, especially during some challenges of transition and everything that everyone's been dealing with in this, uh, in this last few year, but you've been there, you know, really from the beginning and I think had your fingers on the pulse of that congregation. And uh, I think a lot of people probably even there, you know, as I've spent time there have kind of gone, Oh, I thought Anthony almost like was like one of the lead pastors anyway, you know, there was kind of that thing. So, um, and then Dave, you helped plant redemption Tucson. Mm -hmm. What year was that? Um, we moved uh, to Tucson 2012 and just kind of began the slow process um, of just, you know, kind of getting plugged back into t- Tucson. So I, I'd say in some ways we began then, but we formally launched as Redemption Tucson um, uh, September of 2014. So a year yeah. before that, we were in our house kind of doing the you know, that, that whole, whole year, whole. Yeah. I was telling someone that story earlier because pretty quickly you, you kind of approached the redemption leadership and said, I'd like to be part of redemption. I'd like to plan a redemption congregation. And about the time you did that, we had had someone else that we had kind of brought in. And as we brought them in, we had sort of announced as they came that they were going to plant the next congregation. And it quickly became evident that they were not going to plant the next congregation. And so it was like this big disappointment. Yes. And so Anthony talked about pendulum swings. We kind of swung the pendulum the other way and went, you know what? It's easier to get married than it is to break up. So we we kind of told you like, hey, yeah. man, you go ahead and just plant your church down there and we can keep talking. And the famous phrase was, if the stars align. Yes. You know, uh, I don't know if we were into astrology or what was happening, but kind of our way of saying like, hey, man, this probably isn't going to happen. Yeah. But if everything kind of goes right, this could happen. And as you were spending a lot of time at Redemption Tempe mm-hmm. and then getting time around uh, around other leaders, there was just, I think, this real sense of like, A, man, this guy just won't go away. <laughs> like, there was just this dogged determination of like, he really actually wants to be part of this. Um, it's kind of that parable of the persistent widow, you know? Yeah. Like yeah. She just keeps she just keeps knocking, and so yeah. God's going to give her what she wants. I saw you as this great pioneer doing a great Thank biblical you. work, <laughs> going to the harvest. <laughs> I think plentiful. you guys were saying one in a million, and I heard, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> Yeah, but we saw we saw your determination, and I think we saw your character, oh. and really saw like you know what redemption is not, um, just trying to have the like coolest thing and the what not that you're not a really cool guy, but <laughs> but going like you just have lots of substance and going like man if we're gonna start something in Southern Arizona, you're the kind of person that we want to have start that, and, mm-hmm. and that was even kind of a little bit of a shift. I think we had kind of thought, well, we really want to have like a big splash. And, mm-hmm. and as we were even figuring out who we were, we went, no, that, that actually isn't us. We're not mm-hmm. a splash church. Mm-hmm. Um, we're a like, let's be faithful. Let's be strong. Let's lead well. And you just have really done it. And I think to mm-hmm. see, you know, the, the team you've built around you, the con- mm-hmm. the strength of the congregation, you guys have had a really challenging last year being you know out of your school and, yeah. Uh, you've called it couch surfing and all yeah. that sort of stuff. So um, I'm curious, like, because some of the some of the interest of, of this episode is to go, what's it like to be redemption not in the valley? Mm-hmm. So why did you want to be part of redemption? Yeah, when you weren't in the valley, right? At that point, a bun- yeah. there's a number of churches in Phoenix. 
you probably knew like this means i'm gonna have to drive to phoenix a lot you know yeah. occasionally someone will come down but not probably very often yeah like, like why why do you want the connection yeah that's great I, one thing I, I should say is uh no i had never heard the term in the valley or around the valley even having gone to high school college in in arizona in tucson that was just not and it's not even to this day People don't use that term really hardly in ever. In Tucson, they don't in refer Tucson. to Phoenix as the valley. Right, right, yeah. yeah. And and then obviously Tucson's not in the valley. I appreciated when you said coming up from Tucson, or coming, <laughs> I forget what you, the term you use, but it's, it is higher elevation. And, um, no, I gotta okay. Kinda, I know, go. here we go, know. right? Napoleon we complex. You don't need and, the topography. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you do. You know, like... Jerusalem, up to Jerusalem, even go. though it's oh, south. Okay. Let's see, um, you can cut that stuff out if you want. <laughs> I I saw very candidly. I saw that redemption is all about Jesus, and that was before mm. I heard about the phrase and the shirts and the bumper stickers and the you know <laughs> um, the airplane signs. No, I just I I it was really clear. Like I was I had been around some other church planting efforts and networks and just was really um knew that the Lord was really calling us to Tucson. So we got there, got to Tucson. I knew some folks from um you know just different different contexts around re- redemption, but yeah. not a whole bunch. And then I remember lo- looking up like, "Oh, who's who's Back then, kind of the phrase was like, the guy. Who's the guy? Who do I reach out to? Mm-hmm. I remember like even on the website, looking through different things, just being like, there's not really like, oh, that's clearly that person is yeah. driving the ship. Other than, again, very honestly, I saw like, it really is Jesus. Mm. And that just really excited me. And being the y- y- youngest of four, um, I just, I love one of my favorite books, The Outsiders, things like that. I just love kind of team you know, things like that. And Gang so violence. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut Anthony's <laughs> one liners out too. Um, no, I, yeah, I just, I loved just, by the way, we're not cutting any of this out. Okay. So, okay. So you might just Man. want to rein it in here, boys. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. Anthony. Um, no, it's, yeah, I just, I, I just knew, man, I, I want to be a po- part of that. And, yeah. uh, the early on the first, um, so I met with Ricardo, Okay. For a Ricardo lead Stewart pastor from Tempe, yep. mm-hmm. and he was also um, a chaplain for ASU football. So he came down to Tucson, yep. and just said, "Hey, I'm here in Tucson. If you want to meet with me at this, you know, unpublicized location, so everyone doesn't <laughs> come and mess with the the you know the team." So anyway, I met with Ricardo, and at first there was some sense of like, "Well, will you come up to Phoenix?" Things like that, and there was a sense of you know, well, we're called to Tucson. I think it's good for us to dig in and kind of be here. But, and then you said just others I got to meet with and just like, well, you're going to need to come up a lot. And it, I'll say this kind of lastly, it really was easy. I know you were like, man, you've got to be sick of that drive. And it, on some levels, yeah, here and there, you know, I'd listen to a lot of different things, but it really, even still, even to this day, and I don't know what Anthony would say to this, it really is worth it. Just the, the community, the camaraderie, Rotary, the support, yep. an hour and a half drive really pales in comparison to what it would be like to be more on an island. Mm. Uh, so, what about for you, Anthony? Like when you guys planted, you know, Redemption Flag, you're even further away from Phoenix. 
I found though people in Flagstaff are pretty used to coming down to Phoenix. Right. Yeah, they are. Um, so you know that that helps a bit. Um, right. But why 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 be part of Redemption to start Redemption Flagstaff? Why not just start Flagstaff? You know, whatever church. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was also compelled by this vision of kind of better together. And uh, my wife went to Praxis in college, and then I, I kind of moonlit there a little bit as I was serving at the local church I was at. Praxis was, became Redemption Tempe right. and Redemption Arcadia. Right. And so, uh, and, and my own um, theology was changing, too, through those college years, and I was feeling a draw to Praxis now, Redemption Tempe, uh, in a lot of ways. And so... Uh, when I saw this kind of vision of better together, I think what stood out to me was I was meeting people. I, I worked actually with someone who went to one of the redemptions, but they were working in East Phoenix at the time. And I was kind of thinking, man, we really could be better together mm -hmm. spread across the state. Uh, and so, I, I mean, that, I think that was the biggest thing for me of going like, I, I truly think this is a beautiful vision and mm. I'd love to be part of it type of yeah. thing. Anthony, what would you say for folks that haven't been to redemption flag? Uh, whether from Phoenix or from Tucson, what what do you think would surprise them about the congregation, about your ministry there? Yeah, uh, I I don't know if anything would surprise them on a Sunday, except that it's probably not as uh, not as a high scale production as other redemptions. But uh, okay, <laughs> um, but I think that if they spent time with us, they might be surprised at how different um, the average citizen in Flagstaff is mm. than down here in the valley and so just it's a different city even when i first moved up there it kind of feels like a different state in certain ways and so yeah people know phoenix exists and right. they choose to live in flagstaff right yeah. right exactly yeah. so uh so I, I think that's probably the biggest thing is just the, the there is a there's cultural differences that even i'm surprised about at times in just what people value what they do what with their time all that kind of stuff so i think that'd probably be the biggest surprise yeah what about for you dave what do you think would surprise people about redemption tucson yes something i've i've heard from people who've c come down over the years is it's very clearly redemption uh i think even if you didn't know you'd come in and be like wow this is definitely redemption but it's also uniquely you know a different context mm -hmm. um Way back when we first started, one gal called it cute, and that would definitely <laughs> oh. wasn't the most encouraging uh, description. Like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> and so I think to Anthony's <laughs> point, there's definitely just difference, different context. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I think I would actually I'd love to hear others' thoughts. But that was the one is that it's clearly redemption, but also clearly in that place, in that context. Yeah. I remember having a conversation years ago with some other, like, multi-site church leaders and they were kind of asking a lot about the brand how you know what's the brand of redemption and how do you know how if someone shows up at any congregation how are they going to know that they're at redemption and we kind of said you know yeah it's it's not like in and out which kind of you go to any in and out like even the architecture is the exact same the yeah. layout of the restaurants the exact same that's not really what we're going for um you know we're kind of trying to say like you know yeah there's a brand name but it's it's more of a family name and we're kind of viewing it as like we want each congregation to feel like redemption would feel mm -hmm. in that community with that leadership and at that stage of development, mm. right? Whether it's cute or uh, <laughs> <laughs> you've moved beyond cute now. Thanks, I'm happy thanks. about that. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it just it would be kind of uh, it would be very unlike Jesus who, you know, incarnated into a particular community at a particular time. 
if we just tried to kind of, you know, do everything the exact same way Mm -hmm. with all these varieties of people and communities and that sort of thing. Um, I just love though too the I I do love the connection. You know, you talked about better together, Anthony, and uh, for both of you guys this year, I've had the chance to to visit both of your congregations, mm-hmm. and uh, that's been wonderful. One of the highlights has been in in both cases, I got to go to lunch afterward with uh, some college students who used to go to Redemption Gateway, mm, wow. and so it's pretty cool. And and I think I think one of the things that would surprise most folks about your both of your congregations is that it's not primarily college students. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people might guess that. Right. There was probably a time where that was the case. Yeah. Right. But as the church has matured and as you guys have aged, like the church has kind of grown with you. But it has been really, really cool for a lot of college students across various redemption congregations to just kind of automatically know there's a really great place I could land for church. And uh, I think that's one of the cool ways we're better together. Are there other ways that you kind of experience better together? I mean, that's a great saying and like, yeah, well, okay. You know, but like I saw it at Starbucks, that's on Starbucks all over now is better together. I don't oh, know really? what that means wow. for them, but, oh, it is but, fun. but for us, how have you experienced that? Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think the, the family, dynamic is the biggest thing i think the family dynamics of having brothers and sisters that can see into my life and and affirm things and even uh rebuke things and um speak into things in my life i think is huge i think uh having all these brothers and sisters that i could kind of go like hey how do you handle this or how do you deal with this you know a lot about this i don't how how do you do this i think i think those are some of the biggest things of feeling kind of like like I have this family mm. everywhere that I'm not just up there in the mountains by myself type of a thing and not that I feel that way within my congregation but I think sometimes as leaders it, it can be, it can feel lonely yeah. and I think I don't feel as lonely uh, because of of redemption as a whole so I, I think that's probably uh, the biggest way I think I just am I'm a better pastor I'm probably a better preacher I'm a better all these kinds of things I think because of being part of redemption. I think it fosters trust in our, in our congregation at times too, that they know there's, there's older people in my life saying, yeah. uh, speaking into it in a variety of ways. I think that can be underappreciated. Yeah. You know, I think it's Craig, Craig Rochelle has the line where he says, uh, everybody, everyone gets better when the leader gets better. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that you do have some of that support and that coaching and that encouragement and that, you know, for you to say, I'm in a healthier place and I'm a better leader you know, in ways that you can't always connect the dots to inherently will make Redemption Flagstaff a better and healthier right congregation. So yeah. what else for you, Dave? What are some of the better better together things you experience? Yeah, so many. I think the the idea that, you know, when we we know that we will weep at those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are rejoicing, that also includes, you know, when we're weeping, there are others who are weeping with us that just whatever it might be, as you mentioned earlier, my older brother passing away, um, things that we've walked through as a congregation, you know, just that, that kind of closeness, the family element also, you know, different congregations as they've walked through different things. I just know like your heart truly, you know, breaks and aches and you just, you know, love again, your brothers and sisters and, um, I think that gives perspective, encouragement, uh, and also, there are just things like on the way here uh, when I was turning, just seeing different contexts. Um, like I love that our, our 
youth groups have do things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just the perspective, the vision that different contexts can get from each other. So on the drive here, I turned uh, left. I forget all the roads. I was following Google, but there's like a high school. And there was a young man, I think high school age, um, wearing a shirt, like m- waiting for someone to pick him up. It looked like, like yeah. I've been there. Think that mm-hmm. was what was going on. And the shirt, and he was wearing a shirt that said "Virginity Rocks." Okay. I don't know if that's a movement or a, a kind of T-shirt thing. Or, and I was just thinking, like, wow, that is not, I not shirts aren't being worn like that in Tucson Unified School District, mm. and there's a lot of kind of different conversation going on on a school board level from a gender identity, things like that. And, and I just seeing, I don't know that backstory. I assume there's a, you know, some kind of effort there, some kind of community vision, whatever. And just thinking through even again, just different contexts around the state and how, how just thankful I am that we have different, again, brothers and sisters, different congregations in unique contexts, Mm -hmm. um, really pressing into what it looks like to submit to serve and follow Christ in, in every different, part of Arizona, mm-hmm. um, or not yet every different part, but m- yeah. many parts. That's the heart. And I, and I feel like that is, you know, the way I experience, you know, at least for me and I think for others being better together with you guys in it, you know, Anthony, you, you, I know have a real heart for a lot of the native population that lives in and around Flagstaff. And, uh, it can be easy if you're in a kind of majority culture setting to f- forget how many native American folks there are in Arizona. I mean, right. there's just lots and lots of folks and it's easy to kind of maybe overlook that population. And I think about Dave, you know, for you, you know, you guys are doing a lot right now with refugees. One of your pastors, you know, kind of has that as part of his story. And, mm-hmm. you know, the way that you're kind of care for that is kind of helping that be on our radar. And, and I think for both of you guys in a setting where even if you're not predominantly a college age church, you, there's still a lot of that influence. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of folks kind of going through the really sad and challenging process of deconstruction and some of those Mm. things. And so, um, but that's happening at every congregation and you guys, I think, especially kind of on the front lines of some of those conversations and shepherding people are able to kind of go, well, here's some of what we're seeing. Here's some of what we're learning. So I really do think, I mean, there is that kind of interdependence, Mm -hmm. cross learning, cross sharing that, um, when we leverage it, it really is, it really is powerful. So uh, let's kind of maybe, maybe finish with this. If you uh, kind of finish this sentence for me and uh, Anthony, I'll let you go first. Um, My, my big prayer for redemption Flagstaff is. Man, I have a lot of prayers. So this is a, we should have started with Dave, I think on this one. Um, I I think my, my big prayer uh, for redemption Flagstaff is, uh, probably twofold is that we uh, become a healthy church, like healthy, like Christian body of believers, and not that we're unhealthy. I, I actually feel like I've seen a lot of our church's health over the year, over this last year in particular, but that we become even healthier. Mm. Um, and then the second part is that we would like reach the city. Like mm. I truly want our the way that our church grows to be by people that are far from Christ coming to Christ. So. Yeah. That's probably two big prayers. That's awesome. And Dave, uh, my big prayer for Redemption Tucson is what? Is for faithfulness, that we will be faithful, that uh, that, that we we won't, I think, take a path of least resistance 
because we're growing weary or tired or it, you know, or different things we could do along the way. I think subtle decisions we could make um, that I think could potentially lead us Mm. toward, um, you know, or maybe away from where Christ seems to be looking leading us into yeah. some some heart some 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 more difficulty yep. um not for you know not to punish ourselves or be sure. but just because i think some of what is going on in tucson in general and i think that the lord's really calling us to press into i think is you know similar to come and follow me into death mm. on the other side is glory life joy mm. um but you're going to be tempted to not go because of the potential pain yeah man those are great prayers I'd say for for me, one of the prayers I have for both of uh, your congregations is that uh, you'd have the privilege at some point of being able to give birth to some other congregations in northern Arizona, southern Arizona. Um, You know, that is a lot of what I think will happen over time. It'll be fun over the years to see that kind of non-Phoenix contingent uh, get stronger and bigger. And uh, I just think that's, you know, something that we're hoping for. But, you know, let's be faithful. And, uh, and time will tell. So mm-hmm. I, uh, if you're listening and have not ever been to Redemption Flagstaff or Redemption Tucson and you ever get a chance to take a road trip, I just would encourage you to do it. it uh, I think you'll be deeply encouraged. And uh, I love both of you guys, and it's awesome to have you uh, here talking with us. So thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. you. Yeah, thanks. All right, well, that's it for this episode of Inside Redemption. We'll see you next time.